Good morning, this is Jeff Stevens coming to you this Thursday morning. Coming up on the end of Holy Week and Good Friday and then, of course, Easter this weekend. And, uh, you know, I'm coming to you this morning uh, wanting to talk to you a little bit about Easter as a Christian Holy Day. Um, If you're like me, there will be people in your circle who will challenge Easter as a legitimate Christian holy day or holiday, uh, mostly out of their own ignorance. But it's worthwhile for us as believers to be able to pose a defense for why we believe what we believe. And I would say, especially for a holy day that we celebrate like Easter, which really is the most important day that we celebrate within our entire Christian calendar. Because without the resurrection of Christ, our entire faith is in vain. So, you know, Paul is clear about this in 1 Corinthians 15, this gospel that we preach. Without it, you know, what we preach is in vain. And so it hinges all on the resurrection. So what is Easter and where do we get the word? Uh, Where is the history of that? This is important because you will get drive-by non-believers or even believers who just don't understand their history will say things like, well, this, you know, Oester is this god of um, fertility or whatever, and this is where they get the Christian holiday from, and it's stolen from some Germanic uh, uh, deity. And really, it's just not true. So how do we as Christians know that we're believing the right thing? Well, Let's start with the book of John. Um, You know, John chapter 20 in the gospel of John, we have this account of the empty tomb. So, you know, we've been reading through the gospels uh, all this time. and We get all the way close to the end of the synoptic gospels. Well, this is the Joannic gospel. We get through the first three. We're in John and we read this in chapter 20 about the empty tomb. Right, And if you're a believer and you've sat in church on a Sunday, this is read regularly. You know, Mary Magdalene goes up to the tomb and what has happened? Well, Jesus isn't there. So she runs back and, you know, she's going to go get Simon Peter and uh, they're going to get all excited. They feel like somebody's taken Jesus away and they're all going to run back there and find out that... uh, Jesus, in fact, is no longer in the tomb in accordance with prophecy and scripture. And then, of course, Jesus has an encounter with Mary uh, where he speaks to her first, right? Woman, why are you weeping? Um, They've taken away my Lord, she says. And Jesus says to her, Mary, you know, it's me. And then, of course, she calls him rabbi. And we see Christ show up Uh, as resurrected. He has conquered death, burial, and the grave, and he is before us. Well, why is it important just to look at the gospel and say, well, this is good evidence? Well, this is good evidence for a couple reasons. I believe the Bible to be reliable. I believe the Bible is what it says it is, does what it says it does, and I rely on it as a source for my faith. But, you know, if you just want to look at that text specifically and say, is it historically reliable when we compare it to something like Oestra? So how old is the book of John? Well, 
Some people would say, well, we don't have original manuscripts. Well, my goodness, we've got some manuscripts that are pretty old. You know, there's an alphanumeric um, system that's set up in order of when fragments of the um, papyri were found. And they're P papyri, and then they go one, and they go through a series of numbers into the hundreds. And we have three, 5290 and 66 are the three, 5290 and 66, that are literally second century papyri. So these are, you know, John lives all the way into the 90s of the first century. And then well within the next century, we have copies of his book being, um, you know, spread throughout the Near East. You know, and then 12 more within the next century. These are being copied regularly. And this is all just about Jesus. And the cool thing is, you know, these are all fragments and they piece them together, especially these first three. But even within the first three, they've got the whole book of John together. And then the P66, they've got um, the chapter here, chapter 20. Of course, it wasn't in chapters back then. But, um, you know, scholars have put them into chapters for us to be able to navigate. But that chapter 20 was found uh, and we it is dated to around 200 CE. So this is... This is good for us because this is good evidence that we know that the book of John is, is right. It is original. It is good science. It has been copied well. What we have now coincides with the original words from the original papyri. It has not been changed. Scholars are able to take original language and transliterate or translate or both so that we know that we are reading something that is reliable. So why do we start with John being reliable? Well, because within the first century, you know, we had Christ crucified. By the second century, Christians are already spreading the word of the gospel around the world and celebrating Easter. They are celebrating the resurrection of Christ. So where does this Oestra come from? Well, this is years and years later. You know, this guy who's a saint, his venerable Bede, Saint Bede, you know, he's um, this English Benedictine monk who who's writes. And through a bunch of his writings, what he ends up doing is he ends up writing in an 8th century work um, about this Oestra. And it's in passing, by the way. And it isn't necessarily about a goddess. This is something that's truly been made up. Um, and what it really could relate to is the East, not to some sort of goddess. And it isn't something, this whole thing about Easter bunnies and it being some sort of um, um, sexual thing where it, it turns into, you know, being able to have kids and it's just not true and it just doesn't hold any water at all and this um, idea that there was some sort of Germanic goddess that was worshipped before Christians come up with the word for Easter it just it just is not the truth so one of the things that we get out of this is this Oestra is you know, this European concept of this goddess, but it Easter is called Easter 
all over the world and has been for many, many centuries and referred to as Austern. So we know all over the world we've been calling it Easter before this writing of Oester has ever emerged. So what do we know is that it is most likely where we get the English word Easter is some sort of variation out of Latin where it came from Hebrew or Pesach, which would be the Hebrew word for the Passover. So as it's been kind of passed over the years, we know language changes that we get from Pesach or the Passover, we get Easter somehow. So the reason I bring this up is you should be able to pose a good defense for your faith. People are going to bring this up, but when they say, hey, do you know that Easter is actually a pagan holiday, you can say, really? Prove it to me. What is the first manuscript that shows where Easter is celebrated as a pagan holiday, where, why, and how? And is there something older than the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John? And then you'll probably have them on their heels. And then you know what you do? You just share Jesus with them. Say, this is timeless. Jesus was here from the beginning. He came to save your soul. He was born. He lived a perfect life. He was crucified on the cross to save us from our sin. He was put in the grave. And on the third day, he rose again. In fulfillment of the scriptures, but in victory over death, so that we might have everlasting life with him. So... Go forth, have a good defense for your faith today, and God bless you.